Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. A very good evening to you all, or good morning, I don't know, whatever time you're listening to this, here on a very special episode of Draft and Draft. You see, this is no ordinary episode, this here is a bonus cliffhanger episode. You see, in our last episode that we left you off on, we were talking about Mark Rosewater's blog talk post that was hinting at the future. It was talking about the coming set of Ikoria and... I gotta tell you, I've been baffled, bamboozled, and so I had to put on a new hat. This here is Detective Corey, tuning in to your radio waves, trying to unravel the mystery that is Ikoria and what Mark Rosewater left with us all. I gotta tell you, of all the bars and all the worlds, this mystery had to come onto my plate. Yes, Borak, I agree, it is silly. It's a singular line, but sometimes a case comes across your desk and you just have to solve it. It could be the biggest thing or the smallest thing, but it just doesn't matter. It was an eponymous sentence on his blog post. It said a psycho players have been asking for for over 10 years. That's a challenge. He's taunting us, Borak. We gotta solve this before we see the cards in the spoiler. What cycle could it be? Well, that is what we are going to be unraveling here today. We're gonna solve this case. What? What about my accent? I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, we're on the case. It's time to unveil... Yes, Bark, I know I'm doing an accent, I'm doing something silly, but can we just... Just for the bit, please? Alright, thank you, Borak. Now, anyway, back to the case. Now, Mark Rosewater didn't leave us with a lot of solid evidence. It was a singular sentence, a cycle that people have been asking for for over ten years. Now naturally, if we put on our detective hats and look back into that 10 years ago, we find ourselves squarely planted in the Zendikar block. As we know, it was a significant time for magic, not just for yours truly, as it was a Grand Prix experience that I had in a very significant matter, but also this was a time that a lot of big changes were happening with the way cards were designed and the way that sets were laid out. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves and stick with the plain and true facts. The statement said a cycle from 10 years ago. So we just have to look at the cycles that were very prominent and very real in that decade ago in the Zendikar block. Now, I think the cycle that we can all truly resonate with is that fetch land cycle. It's not outside the realm of possibilities to think that maybe, just maybe, that cycle that we've been asking for is a reprint of the fetch land cycle. 
those enemy fetches are something like gold. If you have any laying around, you feel quite good about yourself. So why wouldn't they think about reprinting that? Well, there's a lot of evidence that tells us that this is not the cycle that Mr. Morrow himself is alluding to. Well, first off, we know that the Pioneer, the newest constructed format, does not want to have fetch lands in it. Now, I can understand and respect why when it comes to uh, gameplay design perspective, fetch lands tend to warp whatever format they're in, but more importantly, we know that the Secret Lair product already has its sights set on getting these enemy fetches in a premiere LGS kit coming soon to a store near you. So with pretty compelling evidence, I think we can rule out the idea of Fetchlands not appearing in Ikoria Lair Behemoths. Yeah, Borak, I know that's a bit of a cop-out of an elimination, but I believe that it was the great Sir Arthur Conan Doyle speaking through Sherlock that once said, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Hey, groan all you like, my bear buddy, but I'm telling you, it's all leading to something. Anywho, back to our case at hand. Ten years ago, what other cycles existed in the Zendikar block? Well, take a look at the adjoining set, the Worldwake set. In that, we saw some allied colored manlands. Iconic ones like Raging Ravine, Celestial Colonnade, Lava Claw Reaches. These were the manlands that were quite memorable. Things that stuck with us. Creeping Top Pit. Cards that are still played in formats like Legacy Cube and Commander. Maybe that's a cycle they could revisit. But we can once more eliminate this one here. Because we got the enemy two-colored manlands when we returned to Zendikar a few years later. So swiftly, we take away any idea of two-color manlands from the idea of this 10-year cycle that Mark Rosada was alluding to. So, for the most part, our cycles that we're thinking about in Zendikar and Worldwake, the most popular ones, we can rule them out swiftly. That then leaves us with one more set in the block, an odd one out, one that sticks out because of how unique it was, a set we referred to in our last episode, Rise of Eldrazi, a standalone draftable set with the bringing of some of the most iconic creatures that ever graced a piece of cardboard in Magic the Gathering, these Eldrazi's emerge from the hedrons like the great behemoths that they were and shape the way in which we saw creatures forever. They made such a splash that they're still played in so many formats and are still inarguably the biggest creatures of all time. So then, would it not make sense that the one statement that Morrow made to me, the thing that was most resonant, that haunted me, might be echoing 
the same kind of thing that stuck out that 10 years ago, something that might have come from Rise of Eldrazi. <laughs> you may think, my Ursine friend, that this is half-baked, but I think that it is full-boiled. So then I started to explore the Rise of Eldrazi. What kind of cycles were in that set that stuck out to me? Well, the one thing from my drafting sensibilities was the Invoker Cycle. The ones that were tiny creatures that cost 3 or 4 mana that you pay 4 colors to get a big effect. Cards like Dawn Glow Invoker, the 2-1 Flyer for 3 and white that you paid 8 and you tap down your opponent's board of creatures. Now that was a card that I can get behind, but I don't think that the Invoker Cycle is something that we would maybe see in Ikoria. I even looked at the Eldrazi themselves. Is there a cycle in them? Are there maybe some other kind of Eldrazi's that could appear in a set with the word Behemoth? Well, considering that we kind of wrapped up the Eldrazi cycle from a story standpoint, I don't think that Magic the Gathering and Wizards of the Coast needs to dip back into that story pool for quite some time. And with that, any of the pre-existing cycles that was in Rise of Eldrazi or Zendikar were a bit lost to me, so maybe I needed to reconfigure my exploration. Maybe not look at completed cycles, but rather incompleted cycles. Ooh hoo hoo, Maro, I was on to you at that point. What kind of incompleted cycles could we maybe look at from this 10 years ago Zendikar block? Well, starting this new investigation, we no longer could look at pre-existing cycles, but rather the most iconic cards that came out from 10 years ago. Well, perhaps inarguably the most impactful and resonant cycle that happened all this erstwhile ago was Jace the Mind Sculptor. It was the forecasting Planeswalker that literally changed the magic economy, changed the constructed landscape, and still has an infamous name into itself. And so, I took a look at Jace the Mind Sculptor. I put it under the blaring light and I asked it, are you part of a cycle? Are you something that we could maybe see in Ikoria? And then I realized that I was talking to a piece of cardboard. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Borak. It was an oh brother moment. It was a sobering moment when I realized that it just wasn't the right lane to walk down. So I had to find a different type of card that was significant. Another thing that was making big waves and that was potentially part of a cycle. And so we went deep into the annals of the internet. Scary place sometimes, folks, I know. But by looking in there, you could see there was a hubbub. A certain murmur about these epic iconic two drops in certain colors. Cards like Tomagoyf, Dark Confidant, Snapcaster Mage, and amongst these was another iconic two drop that came out of the very same set that Jace the Mind Sculptor made its first appearance in, and that card is known as Stoneforge Mystic. 
all four of these iconic two-drop mono-colored one and its color pip cards were looking like they were part of some kind of cycle. But there's one color missing, red. Where is the epic iconic two-drop red card that can hold its own with these other big heavy hitters? Well, some people, they might argue that young Pyromancer is part of this same cycle. And to that, I say fooey. Maybe, just maybe, Ikoria could have that same kind of big power level two drop red card that we see it lining up with Snapcaster Mage, Dark Confidant, Stoneforge Mystic, and Tomagoyf. Fooey is right, my two-drop friend, it just doesn't add up. That kind of cycle is more heuristic, it's more what people perceive than that which the game designs. I could not believe that we might see something like this in Ikoria, even though it might make sense. I exhausted my leads, I couldn't find anything else. What else could I do? Well, I took a second. And I got something to eat. And what is it that I ate, my friends? Well, it was the wonderful products at OmahaSteaks.com. Avoid the mad rush at grocery stores and order online today. Great things from chops, steaks, seafood, and more, all delivered in a chest. So this is your call to action. Check them out at OmahaSteaks.com. Enter the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and receive free shipping on orders of $69 or more. So don't wait. Order online today at OmahaSteaks.com. And after this random interlude of peculiarity, we decided to go back to the drawing board, go to the original post itself, and just wipe the slate clean. And when I did that, I looked at the list of statements that he made, and one popped out like a sore thumb, something that just stuck with me. The statement read as follows, tree cards with the text different names. When I first saw this, I thought to myself, well, maybe this is going back to one of his great designer searches, something that one of the prospective designers decided to play into, and that was cards with different names on the battlefield. But what if, instead, I looked at this from my cold case? Tree cards with the text different names. What from 10 years ago could possibly have the text different names? All it really took was a little search in the search bar before I came up with our prime suspect. It was a card known as Realms Uncharted. Two and a green for an instant at a Rise of Eldrazi. Set your library for four land cards with different names and reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards, you put the chosen cards into your graveyard and the rest into your hand, then shuffle your library. And for my unlucky lounge rats out there, you know this card is directly echoing another classic card called Gifts Ungiven. Set your library for up to four cards with different names, reveal them, and then your opponent does the exact same thing with the other card. In his statement, he said, tree cards that have the text 
search with different names, and it's undeniable that Realms Uncharted and Gifts Ungiven have a certain psychoness to them. What if Marvel wasn't just using one statement to allude to one cycle? Instead, he was using two. It could be that Ikoria could be finishing this cycle of searching your library for four cards, getting two of them, and putting the other two in the graveyard. This might just be it, and could be the cycle that Morrow was alluding to. And with this, folks, this is my number one take on Mark Rosewater's blog talk post. I think that just possibly we might see the rest of the ungiven cycle coming to us in less than a few moments time. That's my case, Borak. After all that, what do you think, my man? He left. He literally left. Well, in any case, that's what I bring to you, all my unlucky lounge rats. I think that with these two clues, perhaps we could see the rest of the Gifts Ungiven cycle. So, like always, I want to know what you think. Am I completely out in left field with this theory? I mean, there are two different statements in his blog blogatog posts that allude to this truth. And if you want to see this actual post, I added a link to the description. Feel free to click it below and check it out for yourself. So find me wherever you can find your socials, Instagram, on Twitter, and Draft and Draft Corey, my Patreon, whatever. I want to know if you are on the same page as me. Also, let me know what you think about this mini-episode. It's a different kind of take. It's a film noir. It's something that's elaborating further on a point that I can make a lot of time out of. So I want to know. Let me know your opinions. But most importantly, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. So no matter where you are, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you on our next episode of Draft and Draft. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.